We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome on in. We're refreshed here. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. Sorry for the uh, clunky intro, to, to say the least. But uh, Mario, glad to have you back on. We, we've made it to the other side. Uh, the, the, the 2023 NFL season officially in the books. Your Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions. Uh, that's three out of five years that, that uh, the Chiefs have taken it down. Uh, it was a, it was, I would stop short of saying it was an exciting game overall or like a total instant classic, but the last 22 minutes or so, it had a plot time, twist. Yeah. It was there. It was there. So it was um, a slow burn. Then it got good. Yeah. So uh good, good competitive outcome to have such a, you know, close ending to uh, the game that's supposed to identify the best team in the league. It seems to have worked. Uh, the process seems to have worked as far as that goes. Uh, and yeah, the, the overtime ending was, was a uh, part part of an, un- not unusually entertaining for a Super Bowl, but um, like you said, it was, it was a, a clutch uh, last second, you know, addition to the case uh, to, to, to make it like one of the, the more solid recent ones. Uh, obviously if you're, you know, if you're a 49ers fan, you might not feel that way. Yeah, uh, that, that's tough if you're the Niners, but I think if you are a Niners fan, you you have to. If you're looking at this with a with a thread or a, a note of of honesty, you left a lot of meat on the bone. Like there there were just a lot of self imposed mistakes. Like it, it felt like the Niners were were moving the ball almost at will, um, especially in the first half, and just didn't have a ton of points. Uh, to show for it, that's a problem. When you're playing against the Chiefs, you want to get as many points as humanly possible uh, to, to make Patrick Mahomes ca- catch up because you know he's probably going to one way or the other. But you, you make those mistakes. Um, you know, I think a, there was a, a ton of hand-wringing about the, the decision uh, to receive the ball in overtime and, and you know, all the, all the discussion about, Oh, I didn't know what the overtime rules for the playoffs were for the Super Bowl were until I looked up at the jumbotron. You heard that from Eric Armstead. I mean, it was um, you know, it, yeah. That's how I felt too. But uh, I was like, whew, I'm glad I'm not a player or a coach yeah. in the NFL right now. 
um but yeah in the game but um yeah it's been really funny to watch uh not that many people to be fair but there have been a couple people in media who have kind of like strained you know turning their heads sideways and squinting really hard to see it away that was like uh maybe kyle shanahan can be justified with this like maybe there's maybe there's some way this could be rationalized or there's even uh, one of my particular favorites who is like actually it was pretty much uh, the right thing to do it was actually a good idea it's like these these are all crazy people ideas this is this is really easy to understand like you want to take the ball second because you know like what the terms of the outcome are at that point like the mm-hmm. the justification is like uh oh it's kind of the same either way if you think about it no it's not that's uh has something to do with why it turned out the way it did is, is that it, it is not pretty much the same as it turns out and, you know, it's it, maybe it's truthful, maybe it's not. But, um, you know, the Chiefs have all basically said, yeah, if the Niners scored a touchdown on on that first drive, they were going to go for two and, and end the game that way. So um, is, like, did you see the clips, too, of uh, the, the when um, I think it might have been Andy Reid, Kelsey and Mahomes uh, had microphones nearby after the toss or whatever. And uh, they, they were just kind of like laughing about it. They're like, they're, they're taking the ball. T- they want the ball. Okay, that's great. And um, yeah, it's uh, the idea. Whatever l- line of reasoning there was for for why Shanahan, you know, might have had a case to do it that way, just kind of dries up in the face. I think of the fact that uh, it didn't actually work. You know, not his his theory of how it might play out did not occur, so he was wrong. Yeah, anytime that um, you, you're you're back into a corner where you say in a, in a competitive sport in its most competitive apex, like the Super Bowl, like overtime of the Super Bowl, we want the ball third. It just doesn't sound yeah. It's a, It sounds like an answer you come up with after you get caught not knowing what the actual rule is in the moment that you are subject to the rule and you just sort of, um, you reach for the nearest lying thing and the, the best thing you got in the drawer is, oh, actually, we were thinking about the third position. <laughs> That's what we meant so looking ahead, um, we'll, we'll touch on the, this briefly uh, before we get into talking s- some NFL draft. But uh, th- this may or may not surprise you, but sportsbooks already have Super Bowl odds out for, for uh, next year. That's good. <laughs> What's that? Oh, no, it's just funny to me. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that society has reached that level of optimization that it's like, you know, Super Bowl's over. That's fine. We have Super Bowl odds up. Yeah, yeah, like like Miko like just comes down with the ball, and it's like, well, actually, uh, that's nice that you guys won the Super Bowl this year and all, but you're you're second in the odds. John, they had the odds up before Miko Hardman knew that they won. Like you, you saw that, right? Like he, he that is a very Miko Hardman thing to do, though. Like catch catch an overtime Super Bowl touchdown and and be like, I can't remember what we're supposed to do next. You know, <laughs> he's he's like, where do we? Uh, am I in the right place? I remembered uh, on Sunday night to to smash the the retweet button on on the one guy who I believe chirped you a couple years ago years ago saying, "Aren't you the Miko Hardman guy?" It's like, yeah, buddy, absolutely. What That's what I I said. Why are you accusing me of it? The shirt says that already. <laughs> You're getting a lot of questions on this shirt that are answered by the shirt. Um, yeah. But with these Super Bowl odds, they do have the Niners as the favorites. And I'm, I mean, I understand that the NFC is weaker than the AFC. I'm just, I'm just fading the Niners next year. I don't, I don't know if I'm fading them for the division 
necessarily, but how much scar tissue is is too much scar tissue when it comes to a team like this? I mean, each of the last, what, like four seasons have ended in, in like absolute miserable heartbreak for the Niners. And they've kept bouncing back. But, you know, I, I do wonder about um, Purdy's ability to, to reach another level. Um, you know, how well are they going to keep this core together? I, I saw some potential discontent for, from Brandon Ayuk and suggesting that he might leave this offseason. Um, I'm sorry. Could you tell me what that was about? I missed that. Uh, I mean, you know, this is this is classic like football hearsay. Look, you know, today's day and age. Wait, so a wide receiver posted a fortune cookie on Instagram, and now we're trying to figure out what it meant or something? Um, no, no, like his brother, I think, uh, had like an Instagram story to the effect of like, "We've enjoyed our time here, but we're we're going, we're leaving. You know, we're done with this crap or, or something like that." But Again, hearsay. That'd be My an point. insane opinion to have uh, on either individual's part. But uh, anyway, yeah, the, I'm just taking a quick look at their cap uh, situation. They're, they're a little bit over, but uh, like a trivial amount. And they're, they're basically even going in. And pretty much all the relevant people are still under contract, I think. Uh, I'm not seeing. I'm, I'm probably missing something. But uh, most of the big names are still here. So unless someone holds out. Uh, be it Ayuk or I don't know some other some other person that if Hufanga held out or something I don't know um, maybe that could put them in a little bit of, if Purdy were to expect a deal for instance um, that might uh, put them in a tough spot but I'm, I'm guessing at this point Purdy's ready to ride out that whole like um, I'm such a humble farmer I'll work for I'll work for a can of beans or whatever um, so maybe he won't maybe he won't hold out on them yeah that, I mean um he has gotten them to the NFC Championship in the Super League. He's, the first he year. should hold out. He yeah. should hold out and say, "Give me like thirty-five million a year." That would what be was funny. Daniel Jones it, paid. I'll take that. Thank you. It would be very funny for for like his sort of presentation to uh, the, the public through the media is like the, this aw shucks guy, and then like he he's mm-hmm. holding out like Torello in style. That would be yeah. That'd be pretty good. It's like so so. It's funny to to. To ima- for me anyway, it's kind of funny to imagine how many people who are currently pushing Purdy hype uh, largely do it because they're doing the uh, the rookie contract efficiency thing, and uh, the like. To them, his uh, his utility is like he's the quarterback who who plays uh, what wearing the the barrel and the suspenders. Like mm-hmm. he's, that's that's specifically what makes him good. That that would have odd way to look at I just I can't um but uh beyond that um yeah I'm just kind of out on the Niners for for next year I'll I'll find any and every way to to fade them uh it will be interesting to watch what happens with the defensive coordinator spot they scapegoated Steve Wilkes which actually um I had this I think Kyle Shanahan will eventually wear out his welcome not not so much with the owner but like there's just going to be a point where the people who work with him kind of get uh, fed up with him if things like that keep happening like scapegoating steve wilkes it's like maybe steve wilkes is not a great defensive coordinator or whatever but he made a totally strong defense like everyone thought that defense was really good and um losing to patrick mahomes at like anecdotal points in a, a super bowl game is not indication that the defensive coordinator like failed to do their job you know it's like somebody's got to lose and you don't have Mahomes, so it's probably going to be you and they fired Wilkes. That kind of stuff can, you know, sour a locker room if, if uh, enough, you know, if, if if an influential player to start to just kind of grumble enough. This is true. Um, I, that 
that did strike me as an odd sort of moving of the of the deck chair uh when that occurred earlier i forgot or i I didn't teach the team the uh overtime rules in the super bowl uh someone's gotta pay for this steve you know what that means i I don't know i i I just worry that maybe maybe not a collapse akin to uh what what happened with the eagles this this year but uh what i mean when i say that i'm fading the niners it's like the the standard of that price that those odds yeah yeah the the you know the the level that they need to reach now is winning the Super Bowl. I can't, in good conscience, bet them to win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs, let alone when my odds are worse. So I'm just gonna leave that be. And if I were to take a longer shot in the NFC, uh, Anthony, I know I know you're a big Lions guy uh, in our chat, but for the value, why not the Packers? Twenty to one. If Jordan Love keeps rolling like this, they're they're the kind of team that you really don't want to see in the playoffs just because, um, you know, it's he's a quarterback who is basically scoring like two and a half touchdowns a game, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they have so much of the offensive core locked and loaded. So, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to envision anything but but yet another step forward. Uh, for the Packers, it isn't going to be Dallas. Year. It's no, uh, no yeah, it's not going to be the Eagles. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. So it, it just you know you you work your way down the list. It's the Lions or the Packers, and yeah, um, you know the Lions will obviously be really tough. Um, it's not a slam dunk that the Packers would be better, but that's where I'm gonna gonna hitch my wagon uh, in the NFC. Um, and then uh, just to round it out here, uh, Chiefs plus six fifty, Ravens nine to one, Bills ten to one. Lions twelve to one, Bengals thirteen to one. I, I think I might uh, have some interest on the Bengals at thirteen to one. Yeah, if they keep uh, they're keeping Lou Anarumo. That defense is well. They're, they're not just going to find another Bates, but they'll they'll get better next year than they were this year. And if Joe Burrow is back and himself, then you know that uh, the Bengals. Yeah, I think Bengals and Packers are probably your best values there. Maybe the Lions. Yeah. So that yeah, we're we're looking at better than uh, than ten to one. Uh, I don't mind that. Don't mind that one bit. Um, but Mario, let, let's go ahead. Let's dig into the meat of the show here. We're, we're talking uh, NFL draft. We're going to kind of really start this off in earnest. And we'll we'll, we'll start things with, with uh, you know, at the 101 level. We're going to talk about the guys that everyone's heard of um, as, we, as we look ahead to this year's NFL draft. Obviously, it's been beaten over our heads since the, the last pick of last year's draft. You know, this is supposed to be a loaded quarterback class. Everyone's heard of Caleb Williams, the the 2022 Heisman winner. This past year didn't go quite as well for him. Uh, Drake May out of North Carolina, another guy that that people have basically written in Sharpie as as being a top two selection. Uh, Your other two quarterbacks that that seem like legitimate candidates to go in the first round, everything else kind of up for debate. Uh, That would be Heisman winner from this year, Jaden Daniels, and then the, the very polarizing J.J. McCarthy. So. What say you? We'll start at the top about Caleb Williams. So I've taken him as like a foregone conclusion at the first pick for I guess almost two years now. So mm-hmm. uh, he's he's at that point with me, and I, I guess a lot of people too, where they're kind of just bored with him basically. And I think that's kind yep. of I think that's kind of um, it's made it easy for people to sort of overanalyze him and. I understand that we have to put a magnifying glass to the, especially when it's a, you know a presumed top overall pick, a quarterback. Like you gotta, there's a higher level of scrutiny for that. But if you are 
scrutinizing Williams to the point that you start to think maybe one of these other quarterbacks should go ahead of him. That's, I think, where you're maybe going a little too far because I can't see any sum of criticisms towards Williams that would uh, exceed the any of the other you know alternatives. So I, I, I am not really a big Williams fan exactly to the in, in the sense that like I I don't really I don't have a strong feeling about what he is exactly beyond the distinction of you know the best quarterback in the class and I I don't know what that amounts to specifically but he passes a lot of uh you know any productions you know standard test he he passes very easily and uh, even though he's short he's pretty much stockily built not not stocky i guess he's but he, he's he's heavy enough that he's not small he he's maybe somewhat short but he's not small as a quarterback so uh yeah it seems like he you know in the way that like kyler murray kind of checked enough boxes that you were just like yeah he's he's the top quarterback whatever um even though you didn't believe he was a lawrence level prospect or even like a stafford level prospect or anything like that like caleb williams kind of fits into that category for me where i'm like i don't have a strong opinion about whether he'll be great in the nfl or not but as far as anyone can tell i don't know who else you're supposed to pick if you're you know looking for the top quarterback yeah, I think you can definitely point to the the loudest of the Williams critics being the ones that are just mo- most bored with them and, and wanting to be contrarian because really even dating back to before he took a snap at Oklahoma, um, you know, I think you try, try, time travel back with me to, to week one of the 2021 season, if you will, Mario. Spencer Rattler is a starter for Oklahoma, but Caleb Williams is the hotshot freshman. And OU is struggling against Tulane. And people are starting to starting to clamor in the stands in Norman. They're like, where's bring out Caleb? Bring out Caleb. They're all yelling <laughs> for him. Uh Caleb Williams runs for a touchdown in that game. Uh later on in that season, Caleb Williams helps lead uh Oklahoma to I think it was a crazy victory. They, they might have lost that one. That that Red River game against Texas threw some unbelievable touchdowns in that game. That was yeah, the best Red River game in, in quite some time, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, they, they never really looked back from there. And then Lincoln Riley leaves for USC. Caleb Williams goes to USC with him, wins the Heisman, and, you know, so on so forth. And I know that this year didn't go as smoothly. And I think that the optics were such that uh, anyone that felt like they wanted to, to hate on him, uh, they, they got their ammo. Right, they 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 see the the finger paint with with fu on it. They they see him crying in the stands. They see him uh, kind of complaining a lot when, when uh, you know his offensive line is not holding up. But the numbers weren't demonstrably that much worse this year. Like in his Heisman year, he was throwing a touchdown on eight eight point four uh, percent of his passes with a nine point one uh, yards per attempt figure. This year, throwing a touchdown on a piddly seven point seven. Uh, percent of his passes with with a 9.4 uh, yards per attempt mark. Um, so the defense was awful this year. It really kind of fell apart. Um, and yeah, I, I think that he was put in really tough positions a lot. I think his critics point to the fact that there isn't a lot of structure or there, there isn't a lot of plays that you can point to that he's making consistently in structure. A lot of the stuff that he does is kind of freewheeling it, backyard uh, style stuff. And Therein lies, you know, that this sort of narrative where people will be like, or I think it's a straw man that, that people say, oh, 
I thought you said he was Patrick Mahomes. He's not Patrick Mahomes. It's like if if we're doing that, then like this whole argument is stupid. Like just don't compare anybody to to Patrick Mahomes, and let's try to have a normal debate. Yeah, for that's here. That's what I was. That's what I mean too about. Um, I feel like more than any other position, quarterback uh, is tough to figure out, and um, there's only so much like we so much actual anal- analysis we can do uh before we're sort of spinning our wheels and and looking over you know the same circular path and i i think you know when when you get up to that point you have to sort of just call it you know w- w- maybe these rankings aren't perfect but like here are the rankings as of now you know kind of thing and and just move forward because it's like we got we got to draft a run we got to we got to pick these players somehow and uh, Caleb Williams has passed the tests better than anyone else in the class has. So, like I said, he's not like a Lawrence level prospect. And if if that's what a person demands of their you know first overall quarterback, I think they'll find themselves generally uh, never wanting to take a quarterback in the top five or whatever. And uh, you sort of just gotta some sometimes the the top quarterback is like a Matt Ryan type. You know, it's just like you're not exactly psyched to spend this pick on a guy who you think is going to max out as like the quarterback eight or whatever, but you need, you you would take the quarterback eight if you can get it. And if all, that's all Williams is, it's still just open and shut. You know, that's a, that's the kind of quarterback you take first overall. Yeah. That, that's not a bust. That's a, that's a top 10 quarterback. The Kyler know? Murray comp. I didn't mean mm-hmm. it this way, but that's, that also will apply in the, um the, the kind of um persistent, but I would call obnoxious and kind of uh not certainly not helpful uh focus on just oh he's a zoomer look at like kyler murray doesn't uh you know the the video game thing yes but even aside from the video game thing with kyler murray people were just kind of like he's he's got a a bad attitude like all these zoomers do or whatever the the dan patrick interview yeah caleb williams is going to get that kind of attention all the time like media need to drive clicks that was that kind of thing was bad even in like in the 90s or whatever you know before they had the internet for newspapers and all that but now it's just gonna be so easy for for like hack uh columnists just you know clay travis and idiots like that are just gonna froth at the mouth about caleb williams all the time and try to generate annoying headlines about him just for like you know culture war reasons so that will be, I don't know, it might be insignificant, but it'll be something of a distraction. I just think that um, there, there's a risk of having a stupid distraction for any player, really. I mean, even a guy like Tony Romo in the NFL is like, the, you remember how much the press like hounded him. And it's like, well, how could anyone have a problem with Tony? He's not offending anybody. He's not, but there's, they're just people that just issuing fatwas against him in the media all the time. So uh, also, you know, making your quarterback rankings on the basis of, uh, anticipated culture war media attention is, is probably the wrong policy or the wrong rubric, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, people love to just place their misplaced emotions and feelings about stuff on these quarterbacks. Like Caleb Williams exists in the 2023 landscape or in the, when he was in college, he's allowed to make money when he's playing at USC so, like you know, there there's like a a picture of of his apartment, which really nice, as, as it probably should be for a Heisman winning uh, quarterback at, at USC, and and you know people are like Reggie Bush is sick about this. It's like, 
you're sick about it, but you're also sick about it for for like the wrong reasons, and you do the exact same Ooh, thing. And probably he screw should it live up in a barn for forty yeah, years. Yeah, live in a box. Go <laughs> go to San Bernardino. Don't live in L.A. Don't live in in Hollywood and live it up. As, Get rid of your like, LRG shirts and put on a barrel with suspenders. Yeah, where? Yeah, more barrel with suspenders uh, talk. Um, a- absolutely. It's, so it's an important that, theme. That um that about seals it up for me. I'm I'm a huge Caleb Williams. <laughs> That's fan. how we know to move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. When but the barrel of suspenders gets brought out. I'm wearing my brown shirt. It's sort of barely. I don't know. I I, I can dig it. Um, <laughs> let's uh let's get on to the the supposed QB two, the guy who I I frankly hand up. Um, you know I I still have some digging to do. He's basically been anointed the next guy behind Caleb Williams for basically as long as Caleb Williams has been anointed as the number one guy. And that would be Drake may out of North Carolina. Um, your thoughts on him. He's probably like the, the more quote unquote conventional, uh, you know, or, or prototypical, however you want to put it a little bit bigger, taller, uh, heavier, uh, more, more reliant on, on the passing. Um, you, although he ran more than Caleb Williams did. Pretty big um, rushing production, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, 16 rushing touchdowns over the last two years. Caleb Williams had more, um, but he, he ran fewer attempts by a decent amount. But, yeah, Drake May ran 184 times, geez, in, in 2022. 112 times this past year, 16 combined rushing touchdowns in that span. Uh, threw for 4,300 yards and 38 touchdowns as a sophomore, true sophomore, in 2022, uh, the numbers dropped off a little bit this past year. I did spread things out a little bit more. Didn't have quite the supporting cast. Didn't have Josh Downs, of course, this past year. So the numbers fell off to um, 24 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions as opposed to seven, 3,600 yards. The YPA just about the same, slightly better at 8.5 this past year as opposed to 8.4 um, as a sophomore. Um, but you know what? When you look at the numbers, when you when you scan the film a little bit, what what are we seeing here when it comes to Drake May? May is one of those prospects that's really tough for me. I am pretty much ag- agnostic on him. I was kind of this way with Justin Herbert too, and uh, that you know basically I turned out to be too low on Herbert. And the reason I the re- I don't know what the exact reason, honestly, that I can't take aside is I guess part of it is that his numbers aren't exactly infallible. Uh, Like you said, they fell off this year for may to the point that it, it becomes um, the the kind of numbers that are less like, Oh, this is obviously an NFL prospect and more. I can't tell whether this guy is one. Like sometimes, uh, you know, Caleb Williams's numbers, for instance, are just really, really, really strong, whatever way you look at it. Whereas with may he's got pretty, strong numbers from 2022 and then in 2023 63.3 percent of his passes completed 8.5 yards per attempt that's uh, particularly also with the interception rate going up and the touchdown percentage going way down like that's all of that happening at once seemingly just because josh downs left but didn't they also get that uh toledo transfer the Tez walker he missed about the first month or so of the season but you know it was was a big factor uh, what once he came on, he, he accounted for about a quarter of the target share once he was active the rest of the way. Okay, so it's yeah, it's like he uh, may lost downs, yes, but he he didn't just get left out in the cold. Um, 
Yeah, in the first, feel, first feel month like of the season, you're not really playing anyone that difficult either. Yeah, and Howell wasn't wasn't Howell left with less like Howell after he had like Jimmy Brown and Newsom or whatever. It's like he had I feel like less and had better he numbers. Freshman Josh Downs and nobody. Yeah, and he, I, Howell's numbers held up a little better than Mays did. However, uh, college production certainly is not everything with evaluating pro quarterback prospects you know anthony richardson's a good example of that last year it's just in the case of mitchell for me anyway it was more obvious uh looking at him and especially when he ran like the 443 at 245 pounds or whatever it's like okay clearly the tools are just off the chart with this guy and especially because he's so young that he is otherwise you know raw with poor production is excuse richardson sorry what's that Richardson or yeah that's that's Richardson whereas Mm -hmm. whereas like he had all those things making up for the lack of obviously good production I don't know whether I mean we know when May's not going to run like a 4-4-3 or whatever uh but yeah you have to have rare tools to over to easily offset production concerns and um may is may is in that first round category for me I, I feel safe saying that and I I expect him to be a top 15 pick but I, I don't know. He might he might be. Uh, I don't know. For instance, maybe it's not so obvious why May would be a better prospect than someone like Jordan Love was. You know, some someone more like in the late first round, something like that. So, uh, just one or two teams having different opinions can make a guy like that go as high as the tenth pick uh, and fall to the twenty five twenty fifth or whatever in other scenarios. And I just don't know how to call it with May. Like I, I feel like there's um. There's some kind of projection that I basically don't know enough about quarterbacks to, to call. So he's he's a uh, he's 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 going to go. I figure second among quarterbacks, and I don't know where that is exactly, but I would guess in the top eight. Yeah, just the, the way that the quarterback market works in the NFL draft, even if it's not the exact order uh, that that we have right now, Drake may will go in the first eight. How about this, John? At, at the very least, he he should be much better than someone uh you know like daniel jones like i feel like they had similar kind of aesthetics coming out being you know run heavy acc quarterbacks who are kind of tall and lanky but may had way better rushing production and had way better passing production and if the arm strength is there if there's nothing if there's nothing goofy in his throwing motion or his footwork or whatever then yeah i i have as much as i'm not making the proactive case for him i also don't really have an easy case to make against him i don't know i I also prefer like quarterbacks that win a, a little bit, and um, I don't, don't really feel like. I mean, not not to Caleb Williams obviously had a terrible or USC had a terrible year this past year, but I don't know. Some some feels just a little bit too like made in a laboratory when it when it comes to Drake May. Um, I'm, it's not all the way there yet. I still require a little bit more studying. Um, before we move on uh, to Jaden Daniels, we do have a question in in the chat, Mario. That that uh, our guy. Greg Jennings uh, has been waiting for for us to answer. So quickly, what do we think the Bears are doing with, with the first pick? Is Caleb Williams going to be a Bear and, and Justin Fields to be traded? I, that's kind of where I'm thinking things will go now, despite my, my what I would do personally. I think I would keep Fields but and trade that it, pick for uh, Hall. I don't know. Yeah, I uh... – I feel like the Bears should just take or okay. They could, the receivers are good enough at the top that they don't need to take Harrison, in my opinion. And if they can trade back and get Harrison, all the better. So yeah, ideally trade back. But uh, I, I guess it would it would strike me as very poles brained to take Williams if, if only 
if only because um well, i guess in his case it's like getting the rookie contract thing but uh, also conventional gm survival instinct would dictate that too he's like you get the rookie prospect that everyone finds promising and and both like grants patience toward due to that promise and gives you the gm like credit for it and and basically like insularity job security so uh you can come off of like a, another you know whatever 7 and 10 season as the bears gm but if the rookie quarterback you took first overall uh has a strong final 6 games you might get you know two whole years out of that just from mm-hmm. that just from that month and a half uh happening the way it did when it did so yeah there's there's a lot of kind of cynical reasons that push polls toward williams for just again cynical job survival reasons but uh, to me to win it's 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 fields that you keep going with and the reason i say that is uh, as much as people have otherwise legitimate gripes about fields passing production if you look at the passing stats to DJ Moore and Cole Komet, they're excellent and it's everything else that's awful. So to me, it seems as simple as like, well, what if you put a Marvin Harrison jr on the field too? And then all of a sudden I think you would have a passing game that no one complains about anymore. But uh, the other thing is I don't understand. I, I don't have a sense of what the market is supposed to be for fields. Like everybody's just slandering him. It's been this way for like two years, all this complaining about fields. Everyone's just whining about him as a passer. And now to believe someone's going to step up and give the bears like a a good trade. Like, are they just going to, are they really going to take Caleb Williams if it forces their hand into trading fields for like a third rounder or something? And I I think that that could be where they put themselves, especially if, if teams keep doing this stuff where they do this like three year plan version of building where that leads them to uh, say, for instance, last year, like we don't want to trade for Lamar Jackson. We don't think we need, we have this Desmond Ritter plan and we like our, our three year budget says that it, it, it'll really be a good EPA gain. If we could get him to turn into a good quarterback, like teams doing stuff like that could lead to a surprising number of teams. Uh, even before they get to the question of what they actually think of fields, it could lead them to just say, no, we're doing, we're, we're trying to get this guy on a cheaper rookie deal. We're going with, we, we think he sucks, but we know he's cheap and that's all that matters to us. Like that's, that's polluting the market. So I don't know. It, it would, it would be silly to me in my opinion, but, but also the background there is I don't think Williams is a better prospect than fields. So um, yeah, I'd go with fields, but granted it, it seems like more, the more like, cynical logic would lead polls to take Williams uh, regardless of what fields gets in a trade, just because there might be that media momentum in like November after a rough start to the year. If Williams just starts, you know, wins like play quarterback of the month or whatever in one month against, you know, three cupcake defenses, like that kind of thing could generate so many headlines about the genius polls, you know, that, that, that kind of thing can build an enduring brand for uh, if, and if he's cynical, like it's, it's all just right there for him to take. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there seems to have been a lot of steam. I, I, I don't know if it's coming from anywhere legitimate, but, you know, a lot of – and these markets are always iffy, but, you know, it's like Justin Fields is like the favorite to be the next Steelers quarterback or the next Falcons quarterback. So we'll, we'll see if um, if you know, things – Some teams and, could really use him. Uh, both of those teams really could use him. I know. I actually am terrified of the prospect of, of Fields in, in Pittsburgh, um, and and oddly enough, with the Arthur Smith 
like offense. I think that he could actually oh, man. get quite a lot. That would be hell for you, yeah. And it would for me, it would be funny though to watch all the people complaining about how like the Steelers are the Steelers are winning a bunch and leading the division with you know Mike Tomlin and Justin Fields. Yes, but they're not doing it the right way. They're not throwing enough. It's bad. It's not fair. You know that kind of stuff would definitely happen. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> Yeah, and then all the while, like the Steelers would would keep beating the Ravens, and I would be yeah down bad uh, as per usual. Um, okay, before we get on over to Jaden Daniels, let's go ahead and listen to some messages from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're on to the next quarterback, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels. I don't think he's going to yeah. be a good pro. I'm sorry, I accidentally uh, accidentally over uh, spoke over you there. What, what was your question? Jaden Daniels. Uh, I just said, I don't think he's going to be a good pro. Oh, okay. Uh, God, I, I, how rude of me to just hit the snare drum right during your hot take. Um, no, I agree with you, though. I am not that sold on Daniels. I there are some plays that he makes that are definitely awesome and definitely can work in the NFL. His his ability to to land some of these downfield touch passes, that's uh I think when you if you have an offense that is committed to running often, uh getting him a decent offensive line, some downfield speed at receiver, you can as an offensive coordinator play off the tension that his downfield passing ability has by exploiting his rushing ability underneath and vice versa and that that was the story of lamar jackson's first mvp season this was like, especially at the time defenses were like well how the hell do we stop the go route if we have to bring somebody down in the box to make sure he doesn't run off the edge every time and the, they kind of went the whole year with defenses never figuring out how to do it and if you you know daniels can present a similar threat but what i don't see is the frame or the varied passing skill set necessary to scale up his usage Uh, What I mean by that is I think if he's in an offense that makes him throw the ball more than like 28 times a game and run it more than six times, something will probably get weird and, you know, in a bad way. Um, I do think, though, if if you have a there's sometimes like weird moments in the NFL, uh, the way a team and their personnel and their scheme might interact with the rest of the league. And, and you know, I'm thinking of the Eagles specifically two years ago. It's like once they had AJ Brown there, Devonte Smith, Jalen hurts, they put together for about a year and a half, this offense that no one could stop at all. And it seems like we've seen them figure out the answer to that. 
but if the, if something like that can still exist, which is to say again, like the Jalen Hurts usage of two years ago, where he'd throw the ball like twenty five times a game and yeah, you know, run ten times maybe. But they protected him as a passer. They gave him cover as a passer by not overexposing him the way that they did in 2023. I think if, if, if that first version of, of the contained pass attempt volume, if that's still a viable setup, then Daniels can make that same impact Hurts did, I think. But even then, you're talking you're talking about probably the best offensive line in the league, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and uh, an era where the rest of the league's defenses just didn't know what to do about your scheme, you know? So I don't know how, I, I think at the very least, Daniels is a little situation specific. I think there are some situations that he would work well, but I don't think he will ultimately be what a lot of people want him to be and, and you know, fair expectations or not. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the numbers were so cartoonishly good, good this past year. And I thought that he was, you know, a deserving Heisman d- despite LSU, uh, losing some games, it's kind of a you know a, a weaker sauce uh, Heisman crop that this year. Usually, you prefer it to be a little bit more memorable than uh, what it was this year. But that's again not Jaden Daniels' fault. Um, you know, to your point on on like the Hurts thing, I think it's an interesting comparison. Um, I just also think that he's not going to get drafted in 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 that type of spot with with that right. type of team. You know, like the the Eagles were able to like. I don't know if that loophole is closed forever. I mean, well, I guess right. Not. I don't know I mean, either. The, 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 the Niners got Brock Purdy and, and it, with the last pick. Have you heard this? Have you seen this? Um, but you know, the Eagles were already like a pretty good team. They, they had some some issues. You know, they're late stage Carson Wentz and all that. But you know, they were able to get Jalen Hurts in the door in the second round. Like Jaden Daniels is going to go somewhere that's bad. In in almost all, all so plays bad. That's paying a lot of money to really bad consultants who are going to say the way to win, the, the way to get the most EPA is to make your string bean quarterback throw it forty times, even though he he can only make like two kinds of throws. And um, sorry, the, the reason I'm down on Daniels is passing grade, especially in the volume sense. Uh, like I don't think he can throw the ball thirty five times in an NFL game without risking things going very badly. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that is his first two years in college were at Arizona State, where he was a totally good college quarterback. And uh, especially by the you know standards of a true freshman, but he actually had really good receivers to throw to there, and he couldn't keep it together if they threw it more than twenty times in a game. And who I'm referring to specifically is one Brandon Ayuk, uh, senior. Brand, or sorry, the, the last year Arizona State had Ayuk Daniels was the quarterback, and um, they even had Ricky Pearsall before he transferred to uh, Florida. They had Kyle Williams and Frank Darby, who were both totally good college starters. Darby got drafted by the Falcons. So Daniels had a bunch of NFL caliber receivers around him at Arizona State. Couldn't throw the ball, uh, not not with any volume anyway. So that's that's pretty concerning to me. And then, of course, uh, he only really went off in this 2023 year. Even at LSU last year, his numbers looked more like the Arizona State numbers. Yeah, I mean, like it it was a take that I ended up eating, of course, because Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. but. I was not convinced going into this past season that he was the best quarterback on that roster. Like, I, I sometimes thought, experience really does just kind of take a player like him into a totally different place. And like, once they get to the NFL and they don't have that same experience advantage, the whole thing can fall apart. Yeah, I thought I thought Nussmeyer uh, should have been the quarterback for them that this year going in. Obviously, I was wrong 
So LSU again did lose a bunch of games. Great so. college offense. I guess they called it right, but yeah, we're in this this here prospect uh, game. You know, we've we've got we've got bigger ambitions we with lines. the sharper pencil, we've got man. Dynasty rankings in mind. Yeah, we do. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 skeptical. Like I don't hold the age against him necessarily. It's just like when were the good seasons? But before this year, right. and, and even as a June like. Admittedly, Arizona State was starting to fall apart in his junior year. Like that's why he left, that's I true. think. But 300 pass attempts, 301 in 2021. So as a junior, his third year starting, ten touchdowns, ten interceptions. Like that's that's really bad. Mm-hmm. It's really, really. Yeah, bad. So- and then you know, this past year, 327 attempts, 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. So you could say a that you know that's obviously growth. Um, I think you could also say that you know the the Getting like the likes of Malik Neighbors and and Brian Thomas and, and everybody yeah. else like that that doesn't explain a thirty touchdown difference. Like Jaden Daniels definitely improved over that time, but like I still just I struggled to, to see him developing much further. Um, I think he's a little bit skinny, so I worry about him holding up against the hits. You know, he's such a, an explosive runner at the college level, but I I I reject any sort of Lamar Jackson comp. Uh, that, that comes to him as we were runner. Lamar fans. Totally this is not a Lamar situation. Mm-mm. Not not really even that close. Um, it, oh it, no, not it at all. A lot of wide open spaces running. It's almost more like a Kenny Pickett situation, but if like the player was way cooler. <laughs> yeah. So bottom line here, folks, Jaden Daniels is going to get drafted high. You don't have. To I don't know if he will. I think yourself. he'll. I think he could fall past fifteen and get picked by like a team trading up from the second round. Uh, somewhere around the 20th pick but i don't think he's going ahead of may i i think uh also daniels is at risk of falling behind this other guy that we might get to oh yeah well um is there anything else you'd like to add on on daniels before we um you know i think he can be totally good if he's in an offense that keeps him under 30 pass attempts and doesn't expect him to be a lamar jackson level runner if he can run in just a selective sense like when when the play is there do a lot of damage to the defense without taking a lot of hits that kind of stuff in a a run heavy robust run heavy offense i think it can work but i'm worried that in today's game with the, the the various consultant interests out there uh, there will always be pressure on a player like him to be a player that he just doesn't have the traits to be. You know, uh, as a podcaster, I uh, I I invested in sound canceling coasters for my coffee mug, but I even made the slightest sound there, and it caused my dog to to grumble. Um, so I well, didn't, I didn't hear it, and you know what? I I think dogs do have more sensitive ears to high they pitches, do. and thus the the dog whistle invention. Well, yeah, they, yeah. I suppose he can hear a lot better than I can. But it, here I am thinking that my silly little foam coaster can can but save. I'm me, also but. a bad source though because I listen to like brain damaging volumes of metal music every day. So you do. I might be slightly poor of hearing. <laughs> we do have a, a question uh, in the chat, but before we get into into McCarthy, and I, I think the way that this pod is trending, that this might take up the bulk of our uh, receiver <laughs> talk. We we, we are gonna. I don't know. I'm trying to think what what's the best way for it. we're we're gonna answer it. We're gonna answer it right now. I'll be fast. Uh, Jay, Jay wants to know. Just joined in. Uh, you know, th- this is again on the topic of receivers. Why is Malik Neighbors fluctuating all of a sudden? Earlier in the year, seemingly the second receiver off the board. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. has kind of been locked in there for quite some time. Sort of the the wide receiver analog to, to Caleb Williams, of course. Uh, now we're seeing 
neighbors b- ranked below Roma Dunze, uh, outside the top 10 occasionally. Um, I hadn't seen that personally with where yeah, neighbors John, has a, as a slide, but I think we can answer this in the form of a tease for the later part too. Uh, mm-hmm. speaking for myself, anyway, I think neighbors might be the best receiver in the draft. So I think any fluctuation in like dynasty markets is just people kind of like spinning their wheels with nothing to do and having to make picks despite not getting new information. You get bo- everybody already has shares of neighbors and now they're <laughs> trying to diversify and that's, that's probably driving market demands too. So, uh, anyway, they're, they're, they're all really, really good is the other thing. They are. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, a can't go wrong t- type of deal. But like, yeah, I don't expect neighbors to, to slide. I, I, I wonder if that would uh, maybe come from him being maybe a little bit smaller at, at six foot 200. I think but. neighbors like wherever he goes to. I don't care for dynasty purposes. Like he's he's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of. They're all really, really good. Odunze, Harrison, Neighbors, they're really, really, really good. And it's kind of like a I don't even care to rank them at a certain point. Yeah, just like they're all clustered in in that tier one uh, for you type of dealio. And wherever they end up, great. But all three of them are going to be successful um, at at the next level. But, yeah, I don't expect any – like the the pendulum will will swing back, uh, I think is what I'm trying to say. If there's any slide, uh, give it two weeks when the combine starts and, and we'll have this resettled uh, once again, I, again, I think you're right that people are just bored right now. Um, all right. Last quarterback that, that we'll discuss in depth man of the hour, the, the guy that is really generating some discourse on Twitter, Mr. JJ McCarthy, national champion, JJ McCarthy, JJ McCarthy, who threw, all of like 10 passes in college. I'm kidding, of course. But again, uh, well, Michigan certainly would have been fine with him throwing uh, just 10 passes in college, and they probably still would have won a lot of games. They did win a game this year against Penn State in Happy Valley, in which he did not throw a single pass in oh, the second that's half. That's so cool. Oh, I thought, right? you the, I thought they did the Mac Jones. Uh, that was Close. Cool. I mean, it, it, he was seven for eight. And then, the, it, yeah, so it was like – the, the college, ver- the, the spread version of the Mac Jones game uh, up in Buffalo. But um, but yeah, as uh, as far as how he fits into the Michigan machine, it I would almost have to compare McCarthy's effect to Purdy's on the 49ers where it's like, yeah, as far as the numbers themselves, you're not going to be able to make a case against it. The, the, the returns speak for themselves. You're really high efficiency, high explosiveness. Uh, really clean numbers. The, the, the McCarthy's numbers are a very clear portrait of an offense that is basically doing what it wants and winning pretty much all the time uh, without him doing a whole lot. So that second part there, it's like, is it that he doesn't do a whole lot because they don't need him to, or is it that he doesn't do a whole lot because he cannot? Sometimes it's either one, and I don't know how to call it so easily. Uh, what he has going for him is his production is, again, super, super clean. So, you know, sometimes you can you can kind of spot a fraud uh, just 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 with some little number where you're like, wait, I don't see this stat very often. It can't be a great sign that it's that it's here in his case. But with McCarthy, everything's really clean, um, but there aren't really uh, maybe I, I forgot to check the most recent year, but they're, they're in his second to last year. Anyway, he had no games where he threw the ball a lot against a good opponent and did well, you know. And it's it's possible that he can go an entire season on that team, never seeing both a good defense and a, a game where he is asked to throw the ball more than 25 times. 
but there's basically just there's just like no history of him carrying the team so it's all projection and um i don't know like i i was i know i was expressing all that those reasons for skepticism toward Jaden daniels i think in a way how do you say this um I don't see the obvious way McCarthy could be better than Daniels. And I feel like McCarthy has not uh, either because he hasn't had the chance or because he couldn't, he didn't prove as much as Daniels has. And so I I feel like it's, there's a whole lot of projection with McCarthy where you can just sort of, you can assume the best in every case and be optimistic in every detail. And if, if all those assumptions are correct, yes, he would be very good. But I feel like that's also the same game people played with Zach Wilson, who incidentally, really looks a lot like McCarthy, not uh, I don't know, on the field. I, I have no idea if he looks, has that particularly infuriating like cherub appearance that Wilson does, but McCarthy on the he's, field, he's with got a little bit on. more toughness to it, to his, okay. he's, 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 yeah. Okay. So he's, he doesn't have that one problem that Wilson did, but uh, the same frame, almost exactly the same frame. They look the same on the field. And also Zach Wilson's final year at BYU. The reason why, I personally did not get on board with him, even though the numbers were conventionally excellent. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the numbers the, the, they were infallible numbers. Basically, I still couldn't take it seriously because when you watch the tape of Wilson play, every single snap is a game of five hundred with him. It's like he's just he kind of just sits back. There's no pass rush within at times, literally like ten yards of him. I don't even understand how they. It's like he'd get so far away from the pass rush, you'd think there was like an illegal man downfield happening, but. They're just it's they'd almost stop trying to rush him. It felt like so he'd have all the time. It's T-ball playing football. You know, it's it's like he's just sitting back, kind of picking whatever he wants to do. And he is making some, you know, nice, accurate, you know, high velocity throws downfield um, through windows that are not easy to get the ball through, you know, and showing that is is helpful. It's 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 a demonstration of a trait, but we don't know is does he have the processing ability to make it work in practice and the, the practice being an NFL game uh, NFL regular season game uh, being able to do a bunch of like trick shots is cool and being able to do trick shots can be helpful at some point you know throwing velocity like that uh, accuracy like he throws on some throws that will that will be helpful certainly but we don't know as much about whether he can kind of um carry an offense and sort of we don't know about his ability to read a defense when the the whole design of the offense doesn't give him cover from a low volume of pass attempts. You know, it's like he, he, in other words, he's never really had to stick his neck out a whole lot uh, to do anything at Michigan. And so again, when you're untested at best, theoretically the best case scenario could be the answer to the, to the unknown variable, but it might not be either. It might be something really bad. Yeah. I I think, you absolutely have to acknowledge the the potential downside here. I mean, only two years um, as the starter at, at Michigan, you know, appeared in a ton of games as a freshman, but, you know, wasn't asked to do a ton, obviously. And, you know, when he was starting, wasn't asked to do a ton either. I mean, you know, we're talking about uh, like 660 pass attempts, uh, 327 pass attempts a year um, over his his two seasons. So that's, I mean, the, the passing volume, you're not going to find it. The efficiency, um, I think that it's been fine. I mean, it jumped a decent bit that this past year, his first year starting uh, 64% completion rate, 8.4 yards per attempt this past year, uh, bumped that up to 72% completion rate and nine yards per attempt. Um, so, you know, he was basically asked over the last two years to throw 28 times or fewer 
per game had had 22 touchdowns in each of those two seasons. So John, if I, sorry, if I can interrupt for a second, if it, the only times McCarthy went over 30 pass attempts the last two years uh, and did well, were against Purdue who got pushed over pretty easily. Uh, Indiana, who I assume does not have uh, oh, the better defenses nowadays. Um, and, uh, we have a TCU bowl game that they lost and he had two turnovers to two touchdowns. The only other time was against Illinois where he threw 34 passes in a 19 to 17 win. And he did awful in that one. Yeah. They, they barely won that game. Blake Corum got hurt and everything got kind of wacky. Um, after that, I mean, I, he might be a Blake Corum merchant, which I'm completely welcoming, welcome to the, to that idea. But I think, whereas, you know, Jaden Daniels, I think he's closer to that finished product. Like again, the downsides there potentially for, for McCarthy and people laugh at, at the, at the pregame sitting under the, uh, under the field goal posts uh, feet together and, and all that and working on his breathing, whatever. I don't really care one way. How, how Zen guy? Gets ready for Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. I don't remember but, Zen quarterback, but like through like a, like a very like zoomer way of doing it is like, yeah, I just found this way to like chill out on YouTube when I was like 12 and I, I do it uh, now, um, even at the Rose Bowl. Um, but, but, you know, I, I like McCarthy. Like I can see it. Like, I think if you watch the film, you can see it uh, a, a decent bit. I think the arms there. Um, I think the athleticism and the mobility is there. I think he's young oh, yeah. enough to where he can add some weight to the frame. You know, I, I think you could easily point it, point me, out as a, as a fool for, you know, saying Jaden Daniels is too skinny when he's listed at 204 pounds or 210 pounds and then not say anything about McCarthy when he's listed at 203. But like, again, McCarthy, I think is just 21. Um, I think that he's got time to, to oh, bulk man. up. He does look unfortunately similar to Zach Wilson. I take it back. He's just, he's a Midwestern or maybe not from Michigan, wherever he's from, he's that region's version of Zach Wilson. No, he's, he's, he's more Chad than that. Come on. Well, th- Anyway, uh, I, I am not actually lowering his prospect grade over this. It's it's the uh, the on field similarities that raise concern for me. But you're right; he has he has a ton of really good plays, and again, the production is is super super clean. So uh, it's you can't really hold it against him. It's just that the reality is some of the competition that he's going against in the draft at quarterback have have taken the test that he simply has not to this point. And that, that, that's uh, very well said. Yeah. But anyone holding against uh, it is possible that teams will hold Daniels's answers to those tests against him more than they hold McCarthy for not taking it at all. And uh, yeah, McCarthy going in the top 10, which should not shock anyone. No, it really shouldn't. And like, uh, I don't think that you can know it's a bad pick. Uh, like, we're just, yeah, not I don't know. I sometimes you just got to punt and like, I, I would get more critical if people were pushing in the top three or something like that. But if he goes like, eight nine ten if zach wilson had gone eight nine or ten i wouldn't have put so much criticism uh in writing about him you know so it's yeah it's so like, the jets yeah, just saying in march <laughs> jets in march were just like yeah no he's our pick like yeah, uh, yeah we know that trevor lawrence is getting picked first but we're just going to go ahead and and even uh lessen the the drama in in a class that it went straight to uh drama. They went straight to media massaging the pick. They just like February, like February eighth. It's like we that's weird. New York Daily News is talking about how great of a second overall pick Zach Wilson will be. I didn't even know he was going. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Um, and then last thing that I mean to say on on McCarthy when it comes to to the production and everything, I, I think 
team context is really important um, when it comes to, to looking at, at him. Like Michigan is about as run first of a power five offense and ground and pound and play defense. the game the right way. They, the last three years, they've made the playoffs. They, they obviously won the national championship this past year. They're just beating the crap out of people. Like that, that's just what they did. Like they just didn't really need to air it out. Um, so I mean, th- this will kind of like dovetail when when we break down further, like a Roman Wilson versus some of the other receivers in this class that you know obviously have a ton more uh, volume production to to point to, and you, you got to kind of like squint a little bit to understand why he might be a good pro and everything. But yeah, bottom line is, you know, McCarthy just. W- w- wasn't asked to air it out. And I think you bring up some good points that the instances where he kind of was, didn't really uh, impress us all that much, but I'm willing to take the plunge uh, on this one and, and air on the side of I'm more expecting that, that he'll be a good NFL quarterback than a total bust. But yeah, again, he, he is the, the great unknown in this quarterback class. Yeah, even Wilson should have been a much better NFL player than he turned out to be. Even if he was some kind of bust, there's all there's all kind of weird like personality issues with him. So uh, McCarthy will probably be a, a decent enough starter. And uh, yeah, I think I think I would expect him to go ahead of Daniels. And I, I don't know where that is. Maybe maybe eight to twelve or something. But I'm not quite on board with the top three talk. As in, I don't believe it. I, I I'm definitely not on board with it as a good idea either. No. Um, hmm. It'd be kind of funny if New England drafted them at, at three, but um, let's see. So we're looking at as far as places that they would potentially be willing to take a quarterback. Atlanta at eight. Well, after that, then, then you got the Bears at nine, but we're, we're kind of expecting them to have taken Caleb Williams already. The Jets at well, ten. My, my, fa- my favorite NFL analysts would advise the Bears to take a quarterback at the ninth pick too. So uh, that would you, be you double cool. your chances. It'll you know yeah. that. You can always run a two quarterback offense. Um, so I, I guess that makes sense that, that the Broncos or the Raiders would, would yeah. be the 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 kind of sweet spot. Yeah, he's not falling out of the top twelve. I think we can say, and and maybe I was even too low on Daniels' stock to think he might fall to the to the twentieth or something. It's like I guess all of these guys should end up get, even if trade ups need to happen. These guys should all go in the top fifteen. Unrelated, um, if you're Seattle, would you draft a quarterback if, if one of them is available? Yeah, I mean, I guess it uh, depends on which wh- where they're at sixteen. That's if right. they don't have to trade up, sure. But uh, there's also a case I think against not taking Daniels. I, I assume it's going to be Daniels or uh, we didn't get to talk about Bo Nix at all. But I didn't. I actually am a little bit. I, I think I remain a Nix truther and think he might be involved at all of this too. But um, yeah, I think you can take some other actual starter at 16 if you're the Seahawks and maybe just trade back up and you know you justify Daniel sitting on the bench for a year by like well it was next year's pick who cares mm-hmm. yeah. you want to say anything about Knicks I, I, I'm uh, like I am pretty much all these guys I'm agnostic to some degree but uh, the numbers we do not see very often like those those kinds of numbers from Knicks are like Joe Burrow level production and uh, that's even if you're a whatever ninth year guy, even if the team is uh, helpful, you know, even if you got a great supporting cast, Nick's put up the kind of numbers that are just for me, not easy to look past. And not that I, I don't have any um, insight on just 
why that scheme made it so easy for him. It clearly did. I mean, I, I know Nick's, however good he is, he's not quite as good as those numbers at Oregon. Look, uh, we, With we two offensive have, coordinators. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it he, the thing is, when I watch the tape of him, I think he makes all the same cool trick shots that McCarthy does, except Nick's is, you know, throwing it 15 more times a game and, and doing a lot more stuff. So, um, yeah, I will probably have Nick's ahead of McCarthy, my personal rankings and probably ahead of Daniels in my personal rankings. But, um, yeah, it seems like I'm, a, I'm, I'm missing something. It doesn't seem like anyone else. Everyone else is seemingly assuming like Nick's is a third rounder yeah. or something. Uh, I would guess age and probably overweighing how bad the Auburn sample is. But I think, yeah, I guess it's just like, I think his Auburn sample is better than Daniels as Arizona state sample, you know? Ah, well said. Okay. That that's a, that's an excellent touche. I'm I'm going to, but he is 24. So that is pretty old. Yeah, he is. But I thought Nick's was the best player in college football this year. Basically. I thought he would have, been a slam dunk for the Heisman, if not for the the. And that's who game. Pittsburgh should take. That would that would that would be a real pain uh, for you. I, I think uh, what what's uh, I, I don't mean to what's his name the, this guy uh, Field Yates I believe uh, had uh, Nick's going to the Steelers uh, in the draft at, at twenty. I thought that was interesting, and it's interesting that, that you say that um, as well because you, you're more of like a mock draft creator more than a consumer. So it's not like you're. Yeah, I don't read just, my. <laughs> <laughs> Except for when I'm like, okay, who did who's who did uh who told J- Daniel Jeremiah you know th- that yeah. this guy's gonna go in the first round and I don't know it so I better go learn that now. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, yeah, no, the, Nick's was totally electric the, these last two years at, at Oregon. Totally, and they aren't thinking dunk throws like he's going downfield and he's he's oh, throwing yeah. you know throws that are that have some amount of peril to them. It's just. Yeah, granted, the the level of dominance in those stats is like the defense was completely helpless against this. This is yeah, this is true. You know, having to defend uh, potential RB one Bucky Irving, having to <laughs> defend against uh, a slew of like old Alabama transfer guys, and and of course my my dude Troy Franklin. Um, so I mean, that's it's a lot to contend with. Um, and, and like it that what. What Mario Cristobal left behind that um, Dan Lanning has been able to, to keep up and what I like so much about what Cristobal did at, at Oregon was he built like an SEC sized offensive line mm. in the Pac-12. And it's just like that's a really good starting point if you want to win a lot of games in the Pac-12 is just have far and away the best offensive line. Uh, although I, I suppose this year it was uh, Washington that, that earned that distinction. They made it all the way to the natty. As well, but yeah, I I like Knicks. The the Knicks versus Daniels um, idea very very interesting to me because uh, again I'm not the biggest Daniels guy in the world, but um, you know we we might be running out of a little bit of runway for for Knicks as far as, as development goes. But oh yeah, he's like finished product or whatever. Yeah, but maybe that finished product is good enough. Um, let's let's uh, shift gears. Let's talk some receivers here. Um, th- this will be a, again, no surprise to anyone that that's listening and, and has been paying attention to draft coverage that there, there really isn't much in the way of uh first round running back discourse this year, let alone maybe even like top 50 picks running back discourse, but there is a lot of talent in this wide receiver class. And, and uh, I think that, you know, you can potentially see three go in the top 10, uh, between Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, um, and R- Roma Dunze, 
Um, I, I think that guys, it's a lot of people are there. There's sort of a, how do you say, like a revolving door between picks 28 and 32. I do read too many mock drafts. Um, <laughs> it, you can kind of like tell a, a writer's bias one way or the other by, by who they put there, but there's almost always a different receiver there at the end of the first round getting mocked to somebody, whether it is Troy Franklin, whether it is A.D. Mitchell, um, whether it's Roman Wilson, I think I even saw in, in one of them. I think that's uh, a little too high. Probably uh, a little. We'll rich. have to get to Will, that Wilson in a, another episode, but uh, yeah, that he's an interesting prospect. Just more like a round three type to me. Yeah, but well, if he lights up the combine, we might, we might see yeah. a round two. But um, his, his we, the we book is not for anybody finished. Yeah. Um. So let, let's go ahead. Start at the top. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. as good as advertised? I uh, I might not have kept up perfectly with what everyone is saying about him. I, I think it's safe to say he is not, you know, a Calvin Johnson uh, level prospect. He's not even he's not to me a Jamar Chase level prospect. He also to me isn't obviously better than uh, Drake London or somebody like that. But I mean, for what it's worth, I'm I'm really high on Drake London, so I don't consider that uh, an insult. But uh, I have seen some people. Um, kind of speak of Harrison as if he is at least Jamar Chase and maybe even more than that and that yep. seems a little crazy to me granted if Harrison tests a certain way at the combine I'll have to change my tune a little bit but part of what I'm doing here is uh, I don't see a whole lot of rare athletic traits what I see with Harrison is an inc- like an incredibly uh, it's, it's almost as if his his father might have been one of the previously most well-known technicians at receiver in NFL history uh, because it looks like the younger Marvin has been uh, going through wide receiver drills since he was like born basically. And um, the technical details with him, it's, it's, it is pretty remarkable actually, like how, uh, you know, he's, everything that he does wide receiver task wise, you know, running routes, uh, positioning himself relative to the defense, everything is a black belt level. And it, you can see that. And so, for me, the question about Harrison is like, uh, pending that the workout details anyway. Like, if, if he if he really checks in at like six four two ten and runs a four four flat or something, I, I might have to say, okay, actually, maybe maybe he is a Jamar Chase level prospect or something like that. But I don't expect that. I expect him to athletically be more similar to someone like Michael Pittman or something, but just just better. Uh, so what that equals in the NFL, I don't really know, but I, I think. The profile for Harrison trends towards something like, you know, a a guy who can catch 120 passes for you in his best year. And he can catch you 100 passes per year regularly at above average efficiency. And um, that might sound, I don't know if that sounds like a a stingy projection or something. To me, a player who enters that category is one who's like in the all decade conversation right there. So I think he's going to be some version of very good, but I really don't see an easy, obvious way to distinguish Harrison uh, to, to rank him ahead of uh, Odunze or Neighbors. Um, hmm. So with with the com the the combine metrics that you spat out there as as a potential, like you know, okay, we we got to take this seriously as like a literal, uh, like rarefied. Uh, type of prospect in the in the same vein as a Mar- as a Jamar Chase, you think there's a chance that he's like kind of a supercharged Mike Williams? Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't I don't see. 
because he's not like always running away from the defense. Like he, he's so good at at like turning I, I and, and finding the ball and catching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, Harrison's just going to. He reminds me of Pittman in the sense too that like he will draw high usage underneath because he gives such an easy, uh, you know, like eight yards and stuff. Even though his numbers are really big, even though there's lots of highlights of Harrison making big plays, part of what stands out with him is the way that he can kind of um, just grind through the defense underneath. And when a receiver can do that, it's really it's a lot easier to set up like double moves and just slight variations of routes. And that that opens up the big play downfield. Like I think Drake London was was, again, a lot like that. I, I feel like uh, London's kind of more the comparison for me, but um, not not in this. I don't know what anyone thinks about London as a downfield threat. I know that Mike Williams has at least somewhat recently been known as like a downfield guy, like a jump ball guy downfield, like. I think Harrison and London can both do that kind of play. I just think they don't need to. I think they get open on like easier, more conventional routes. And so they, they're just, they're not really making the highlight catch down field because they can, they don't need to even strain that hard to move the ball against the defense. But uh, again, it, I, it's hard to tell for me anyway, it's hard to tell from a, a game tape who for sure is at any level of fast or slow. Uh, it's it, longer, limbed guys like Harrison sometimes have strides that just look slower than they are, you know? And if, if he turns out to be faster than I thought, then at that point it's like, yeah, there's literally no way for a defense to adjust to Harrison. If he's running like a sub four five, if he's, even if he's running a four five or something, that's fine. It's just, uh, you know, these are the, the hairs we have to split to kind of figure out who's going to be, you know, very good versus, you know, the best maybe at their position. And, um, you know, being an Ohio State guy, I'm probably expecting him to test pretty well. Um, so he might. Yeah, I, he, uh, the one thing I want to say about Harrison is that there's this assumption that he's definitely the top receiver. I expect him to be the first receiver drafted, but I don't think there's much distance between him and the other two, pending workout metrics anyway. If only because, um, like, we've seen guys put up these numbers, right? We've seen Olave and Wilson put up, I, I think, even bigger numbers. Uh, we've seen Jackson Smith and Jigba put up bigger numbers. This is a with Stroud at quarterback. That team was rolling like crazy. I know Harrison did really well this last year too, but it's it's just that the Ohio State wide receiver position will be really productive, you know. And yeah. I, I think um, we we know that Olave and Wilson set a certain bar. I personally am not convinced that Harrison reaches it or eclipses it, but that seems to be the assumption right now. Yes, it yeah that that it is the assumption that that he is the best of that group. Better than Smith and oh. Jigba, easily. I'll say that much. Yeah, that that I can I can certainly get to. But Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, yeah, it's a high bar. People are getting bored no. with them already. It's like it is not easy to be as good as those two. No, no, it is not. Garrett Wilson rocks. Chris Olave rocks. Um, I, I'd love to see them both get adequate uh, quarterback play. All right, Malik Neighbors, teach the class. Well, it, things just as uh, they're kind of unsettled for me with, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison, depending, uh, <laughs> pending the workout metrics, the same is true of neighbors. Uh, all of these guys are written in pencil for me in the current order that they're in. But what we know about neighbors in the meantime is his production was uniquely strong at the college football level. Like I would say his production was at least as good as Harrison's, uh, arguably better, but um, more, more likely just the same tier it's kind of hard to to split the hairs beyond that point but so, so we're going to have to talk at some point about uh brian thomas right and he had such a great year he's in the first round conversation at receiver 
Brian Thomas this year um, at about uh, more than a half year, almost a full year older than neighbors and neighbors drew. Let me see. Almost 10 more points in the team's target share percentage. It was 21.7 for Thomas this year and 31.1 for, for neighbors. So neighbors, only turned 20 right before the season started. He's like a late summer uh, birthday. So he's, he's younger than Thomas and still drawing so many more targets per snap than Thomas. And um, we again have reason to believe Thomas is quite good himself because Thomas's numbers were, were blistering on the other side too. So particular as, as the reasons continue to build to think Thomas is good, it all necessarily applies to neighbors too, in my opinion, especially given that he's younger. Now that doesn't, that's just a general rule uh you know extreme weird things do happen like sammy Watkins was younger than deandre hopkins and a lot more productive at clemson than deandre hopkins hopkins obviously the much better nfl receiver so jason uh, jefferson i'm sorry what's that jason jefferson oh yeah luckily uh yeah luckily both of those guys turned out to be the right answer um but yes sometimes um sometimes a player will outproduce or, or otherwise keep up with the production of a, of another really, really good NFL player on their own team. And the first guy still might not be very good, but it's rare. And it's, it's uh, the age adjustment is what's particularly good at catching that. Like for, for neighbors at that age to produce the way he has and not be a clear all pro receiver is it's, it's specifically to say like his floor is probably Sammy Watkins. Um, and Watkins had plenty of, you know, anecdotal things screwing up his career. So, uh, I think that neighbors would have to test really poorly for me to 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 lower him uh, to to take him out of the first ten picks of the draft, and I know he might get crunched out just because pinched out just because quarterback trade ups, you know, stuff late risers can cause weird things to happen. Um, but neighbors, pending the workout metrics, is really he he's in a unique category, and and for me, he's in the same tier as Harrison. You think? Um... That would be a, a smart play for Chicago potentially if they take Caleb Williams with with the first pick, grab a receiver with their second one at nine. Yeah, I think uh, the, the way it's shaping up, anybody that can get neighbors should try to get him, and that that would certainly apply to the Bears. Uh, neighbors, I, as far as a comparison, uh, I think I think he's going to be like two ten. Uh, sorry, two maybe like two fifteen at six foot two. I know he's listed as a uh, six three or something. He looks like a sturdy six two to me, and. Um, Wait, is this Again, neighbors or t- Thomas? Neighbors. neighbors uh, is that is that just way off? I thought he was listed at like six three two oh five, but he looks pretty sturdy to me. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, Malik Neighbors' um, application on the field to me looks pretty varied. Uh, I think he probably has more of a downfield game than Harrison, but I don't think it's at the expense of his under. He, no one is as, in my opinion, anyway, no one is as technically proficient as Harrison running routes. Like you can see. Sometimes when neighbors is getting open in his routes, it's kind of, he's just like out freaking the guy covering him. Whereas with Harrison, it's like, you feel like you're watching, you know, like a, like a, some kind of uh, like Japanese sword master or something. Uh, The way, the way that he just kind of sort of stoically just, just does every single thing technically correct over and over and over. Um, But neighbors, he, he seems like a little more wild, um, like he's, he seems to me like he's got a little bit more burst and speed and stuff. And uh, he looks he looks really good after the catch. Like he he, he tracks well, um, makes he shows good ball skills downfield as a big play threat. 
but he also seems like the type who can do a lot of damage after the catch. Like I, I don't know, not, not making a direct comparison, but if you're genre wise, like AJ Brown after the catch, like you see neighbors do some plays like that, mm. but he's also, he, he thrives downfield. It's not like he needs the yards after the catch. Yeah. He's an impressive guy. I want to get more eyes on, on him uh, in the lead up to, to the combine because, you know, for a team as generally fun to watch it as LSU was th- this year, I was no longer the college football editor. I didn't have to watch a zillion hours of college football every Saturday. And LSU, you know, they lose that first game. They're out of the national championship picture. I didn't watch it on LSU this year. So I need to uh, need to revisit. I, uh, sorry, I overstated Neighbors' height. He's listed at six foot. I think he'll check in at six foot. He's, he's listed at six foot 200. I, I think he might play at like six foot 210 in the NFL, like a. I don't know, Chris Godwin kind of build, but um, more, I I think there might be more athleticism there. Uh, Yeah, supercharged Chris Godwin sounds pretty interesting uh, to me. Um, Let's talk Rome. Roman Dunze, uh, big guy out of of University of Washington. Great numbers all throughout his career. Really, really, of course, uh, took off. Uh, th- this past year, however, and as the the Huskies almost uh, you know found their way into a national championship, made it to the game, uh, but lost to to JJ McCarthy's Michigan, of course. But when it comes to Adunze, what are you seeing here? Yeah, so uh, we're talking about him third, but I wouldn't really argue against anyone ranking him first out of this group. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, and particularly between Odunze and Harrison, there's a lot of similarities. Like they the theory of receiver that they present to the NFL is pretty much identical. And I really don't know how you're going to distinguish the two barring athletic testing that, that uh, diverges between them. Uh, the frame, the, the way that they play too, you know, I was mentioning how Harrison can kind of sort of like Michael Pittman, but more athletic, like grind underneath over and over all game. And you're just wondering like, how does this guy keep getting open for like six yard digs? Like, aren't they trying to cover that? And, the reason he's able to chop away like that is because the defense is scared of him and has to grant a certain amount of respect. And it's like, even though they're the respect that they give is more towards stopping the big play. This big receiver is plenty capable of grinding away underneath. If they're going to give him a cushion, he can grind away at it. He doesn't need to get downfield to become a viable target. So uh, again, that's, that's a Drake London kind of thing to me. It's like this, this, this huge receiver, who for some reason is just landing jabs left and right on the defense as, as if the defense doesn't know, like try to keep that guy from catching an eight yard curl every play. And um, it's, it's all just, you know, harder than it looks. And Odunze playing the way that he has producing the way that he has both this year and last year, uh, you know, he, he negotiates a level of respect where the defense just has to approach him that way. And that we reach this equilibrium where turns out the best defenses can do against Washington is concede to Odunze a 69.7% catch rate at 12.4 yards per target. So that's, that's those are enormous numbers. Um, his target share percentage was quite a bit lower than Harrison and especially neighbors. But I think you can chalk that up to the, uh, not as if LSU or um, Ohio State lack any receiver depth exactly, but Washington had a bit more. Uh, they, they had, you know, McMillan, who, who, uh, actually was I, I think might be a little underrated polk the the texas tech transfer um and they they ran a more like i would say committed spread kind of approach and so adonze only had 23 percent target share but um even if those other even if whatever explanations i have in mind don't apply you could also chalk that up to just 
a poor coaching decision by Washington. Like Odunze should have gotten more than 23% of the targets because he was clearing their team baseline by four catch percentage points in almost three and a half yards per target. So basically they should have just thrown it more at him to see if there would, if the returns would diminish at all, because there's those numbers, those peripherals imply that he could have taken a lot more targets and his efficiency would have held up just fine. So uh, again, you got, you're talking like a workhorse, uh, hundred plus catch kind of receiver in the NFL. And uh, I don't know what other than athletic metrics could, could really help me see any of these guys differently. Yeah. The, it's a, it's a rock star uh, trio up, up at the top. I don't think any of these guys fall past maybe like the 11th pick, something like that. Um, you know, barring, uh, that athletic testing. And, and yes, a, a quick programming note uh, to that effect. Uh, we will be recording our pre-combine episode on the Wednesday before things get kicked off in Indianapolis. So that'll be on the 28th and the combine starts on leap day, 29th. So we'll get you all ready uh, for that one as well. Um, any other receivers that that um, just real quickly uh, enter that first round conversation? I think that these three are going to be like the high end ones, at least in, in most people's pre-combine rankings. Anyone that you've got your eye on a little bit later on as a first round possibility? Yeah, it's it's a long gr- group of names, actually. Uh, one name that I can cross off now that I, I would had only really known him previously as, as a highlights guy, and uh, I knew that he had slightly better production in uh, 2022 at Michigan State than Jaden Reed, who has proven to be quite a good NFL receiver. Uh, Keon Coleman, I thought, was maybe in that late first round thing. He could be, I guess, still. He might test really freakish. He's still young. But uh, his production at Florida State was a lot rougher than I realized. And uh, that that otherwise impressive sophomore year at Michigan State uh, doesn't quite it doesn't land with the same emphasis in light of that. So he's, he's kind of an ambiguous prospect to me at this point. And in this class, you don't really want to be an ambiguous receiver prospect because there's a lot of unambiguously really good ones. Uh, Brian Thomas could end up being one of those guys. I thought he looked a little lanky, like a little bit of a, a long strider, but if, if he tests a certain way, uh, I mean, his production was, was exceptional this year too. And uh, yep. even though his target share lagged behind neighbors is by quite a bit, his efficient Thomas's efficiency was better at receiver. Uh, he had a 76.5% catch rate at 13.2 yards per target this year with uh, 17 touchdowns or something. So uh, that's all crazy stuff. And if, if he has wheels, then I don't know. I personally have a hard time fading a player like that, even if you're talking upwards of the, the first round. Like clearly he could have taken more targets. They, he, he had efficiency to spare. But uh, Lad McConkey, I feel confident saying is going to be like a top 35, 40 pick, maybe first. Let's go. Uh, Troy Franklin, I think, uh, from Oregon could. Uh, go ahead of McConkey, the one from Georgia, but I, I think Franklin has a little bit more um, testing uh, sensitivity. Like he's he's got to run, in my opinion, like unambiguously fast, or else uh, his his game translation might not be quite as obvious. But Franklin's numbers at Oregon were excellent uh, this year, especially. I mean, uh, only a twenty two point four percent target share, but uh, he had twelve yards of target in an offense that average 9.4 yards per pass and uh, obviously he's at the very least he's, he's shown that he can play like an outside and vertical game so um yeah if he tests if he shows he has the speed to continue threatening outside and downfield i'll be um, i'll be able to see franklin as a first rounder but i think mcconkey in a way has like the highest floor i just i don't think 
in part because I think we have really good reason to believe he'll run in the low four fours at worst. I don't really see a scenario where McConkey fluctuates much. Like he, he might go as high as 20 or something, but I think he'll go like 25 to 32 or something like that. What a world people were laughing at Georgia when they, when they took lad McConkey in that class. So like, <laughs> is it lad McConkey? It is quite a name. Really? It does yeah, sound this- like some kind of like, I don't know, Elmer Fudd's like younger uh, regional nemesis or something. Yeah, and then he is just absolutely cooking everybody during during yeah. his time in college. Like, God, what a badass. Um, and then uh, speaking of Georgia receivers, Troy Franklin kind of reminds me of like West Coast A.J. Green. Uh, maybe not as iconic as A.J. Green was coming out of college, but. I was thinking he might of- be like George Pickens. Uh, just I say that because. Uh, Pickens was a little shorter than AJ Green and didn't offset that with great speed. He only, he only ran like a four four seven, even though he was kind of skinny. Franklin looks kind of skinny. Um, he does. I would like him to run. T- I would like him to either show up heavier or, or run faster than Pickens did. But you know, it, their production with Franklin at, at Oregon is good enough that I think you can you can reason like even if he doesn't have Pickens's freak variable, you know, it's like Franklin has a sum of traits that can. Uh, offset whatever level he might be, you know, quote unquote, too skinny. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a high catch volume guy. I think he's more of a 80 catch, you know, 1200 yard kind of receiver than like a 100 catch one. Like T T Higgins. Yeah. No, maybe like, a, maybe like a smaller T Higgins, probably not quite as good as T Higgins, but I, yeah, I like him. Higgins I, was just, yeah. T Higgins was, I, I, I was definitely too low out of him. Uh, too low on him out of Clemson. He had, he had that kind of production where it was it should have been like you know don't don't overthink this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And Franklin's pretty close. I just I would like him given that he is skinny. I would like him to prove that he is also fast. And we'll know for sure in, in just a, a couple of weeks. But that's going to do it for us. This airplane flies awfully low over top of me here. Um, that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire. Today's football podcast will keep things rocking with draft coverage all throughout the, the rest of the, the offseason, or at least these next couple of months specifically. Of course, what we'll touch on a lot of free agency stuff as that comes up, but these next couple of weeks, it's combines, draft, all that good stuff. So uh, check back next week for more. But for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. And again, if you want to get behind our paywall, check out a free trial. Go to roadwire.com forward slash Jim. I think that's in honor of one Jim Coventry. Catch you next week, y'all. Hurrah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.